And how do you say it? I'm going to phonetically put it in here. Raywall, like R-A-Y dash W-A-L-L dash T. That's probably the best way. No wonder they changed you to Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 187 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman, and this is the Whiskey Smackdown. Now, before we start talking about that and our guest today, we've got to do a little bit of news. Now, on our side, we're very happy to be able to announce that after three months of waiting, lots of patients, signing lawyer docs, and even going through screenings, that Bourbon Pursuit is now available on Pandora. Yes, we are the only whiskey podcast at least at this time, as well as one of the very few podcasts out there that are on Pandora. Now, you might be thinking, one of the few, there's a lot of podcasts. Well, there's a couple hundred on Pandora. I think there's almost like 700,000 podcasts nowadays. So we're very happy to be able to bring this content to new listeners. So if you're a Pandora listener, welcome. If you are an iTunes listener and you've got friends that are on Pandora, make sure you tell them because we always want to spread the good word of bourbon. This week, Ryan and I were back down in Tennessee picking more barrels for Pursuit Series releases. Now, in addition to that, we have also acquired, secured, and purchased our first barrels of Kentucky bourbon as well. We've sold out of episode 004. However, episodes 3, 5, 6, and 7, there's a little bit, maybe about 30 or less bottles remaining out of each one of those. You can get more information on each one by going to our website at PursuitSpirits.com, and you can see all of them at slash episodes, or you can just go to SealBox.com, buy them directly, and if you can't find them, you can search for the word Pursuit with inside of their website. We partner with the Kentucky Derby Museum to bring to you the Legend Series. To give you a heads up on what's coming up in the future, Thursday, February 21st, 2019 is going to be Craft Bourbon Night. It's going to be featuring Wilderness Trail, Jephthah Creed, and Peerless. On Thursday, March 21st, 2019, you're going to have Dixon Deadman, the founder of Kentucky Owl. If you want to learn more about them and go check out their website to buy tickets, it's derbymuseum.org slash legendseries. Now, Urban Pursuit, I think we're going on tour. Well, maybe not, but it's something like that where you get to come and see us record in person and be a part of this. We have a new partnership with The Galt House and Down One Bourbon Bar, and you can come and see us record in February. We're going to announce the date and the guest next week, but as I'd mentioned, it'll be at Down One Bourbon Bar where you can be there having a drink, you're going to get a pair of earbuds, and you can watch us live as a record in another room with our guests. Now, in addition, this is going to be streamed live on multiple social platforms. So even if you can't be there, you can still be a part of it. We would love to meet more people that listen to the show. So please come and join us. Look for our date and our guest to be announced next week on the podcast. But as well, it'll be announced uh, early, early, late this week or early next week, whenever it is on our social media channel. So make sure you're following there. Now, another thing is that Bourbon Pursuit is also going to be in person at the Louisville Bourbon Society meeting that'll be taking place on March 18th. If you've never been to the Bourbon Society meeting before, your first meeting's free and you can bring a guest. So this is your chance to come see us in person because we're going to talk about the history of the podcast, some of our best and even worst interviews, and even get to sip on some Pursuit series as we bring bottles for everybody to share. Get more information about location at their Henry Clay, as well as door opening times and more at thebourbonsociety.org. Bourbon enthusiasm, it knows no bounds. It stretches across demographics, races, ages, and even professions. And if you're like me, then you've had some fascination with WWE or old school WWF wrestling at some point in your life. But you never really think that that person on that's on TV during SmackDown or WrestleMania doing headlocks or uh, jumping off the top rope would ever be in my house drinking bourbon with me. Now, Matt Raywalt, or better known as WWE superstar Aiden English, he hustled his career and he caught a few lucky breaks along the way. And now he's finding a new passion in bourbon as he begins his Wrestling With Whiskey Instagram and YouTube series. And as fate would have it, Matt was in town for a live event so Fred and I took the opportunity to invite him over and talk about wrestling and whiskey. We talk about his career, personal life, and of course, 
when bourbon became that obsession, as well as maybe why we don't see alcohol as big as a part of WWE character development too. Now make sure you always follow us on all of our social media handles, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bourbon Pursuit to see what we're posting about, what we're drinking, where we are this week, or heck, this past week we went live and did a Facebook Live review last Friday of Old Forester Rye and New Cooper's Craft. So that's an opportunity for you to just kind of see what we're up to and uh, get those notifications. So make sure you do that. Now with that, enjoy this week's episode. Here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week, I want to start with a listener email from Stephen Belser. Fred, I've got an idea for an Above the Char. Can you talk about there is more and more talk, discussion, releases of rare limited edition bourbons and how that may be detracting from the nature of bourbon? I think next to ambulance chasing lawyers, there sits a place in hell for advertisers. I think the advertisers are taking over bourbon too much and making it more of a cash cow operation and to hell with the craft. It's turned me off so much that I just don't care to read any bourbon news because I don't want to be inundated by the sale of releases that I'll never be able to get. I could just be the old man yelling at the sky, but I'm 37, so maybe I'm the middle-aged man yelling at the sky. Anyways, I'd love to hear your thoughts. By the way, I've had your Bourbon Curious book for years, and it is great. Thanks for writing it. Well, thank you for the email, Stephen. And you kind of hit on a lot of points there that I really would like to address. You know, first of all, this limited edition phenomenon, it started 15 years ago. And what would happen is people would go in and they would buy the bottle they wanted. Sometimes they would have to compete with one or two people. And then there was lines for it. And then we started seeing raffles and lotteries. And now retailers have decided to, you know, mark up products to kind of take care of that supply and demand issue. And there's really no answer other than the supply and demand is just out of whack right now. The demand is for the Pappy Van Winkles, the Buffalo Trace Antique Collections, the Four Roses Limited Editions, the Old Forcer Birthday Bourbons, and on and on and on. And the supply just isn't there to meet it. So the question is, why are people advertising them? Now, I understand why we would talk about them in forums or even myself would write about them or someone else in the industry would write about them. But why advertise them? And the reason why is because they want to lure people with the bourbon they can't get and then say, hey, oh, you can't get that Four Roses limited edition small batch. Check out our everyday single barrel or check out our small batch and look at all the awards we've won. Now, I own media properties. I own a magazine. I am a part owner of this podcast, Bourbon Pursuit. And the fact is, is we take advertising. And advertising is a long and thorough industry that goes back you know, well into the 1700s. So this is something that as, as a media owner, I do look at ads, but I cannot dictate to someone what they may choose to advertise. And if you're listening and you're an advertiser, I do think it might be smart to heed Stephen's advice. Instead of advertising the bourbons people can't get, maybe talk about something we can get. And maybe... That's how we start to get our bourbon enthusiasm back is we just kind of agree that we can't get the, all the limited editions, but by God, we sure can enjoy a good old dram of a six-year-old small batch bourbon. And that's this week's Above the Char. If you're like Steven and you have an idea for Above the Char, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Fred Minnick. That's at Fred Minnick. Or you can visit me at fredminnick.com and shoot me an email like Steven. Until next week. Cheers. And they're off for another Give 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, 
and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny and Fred here today recording uh, at our studio, I guess you could say, here in Kenny's basement. So if yeah. you are watching the video, you see a, a nicer background than typically what we might have. But Fred, how you doing today? Not bad. I'm, um, I'm excited to be drinking the... Uh, the Michter's 10-year-old you poured for me. Uh, very generous you are, Kenny. Thanks. Thanks so much. So before we started, I said, guys, if you, we got, well, it's a little bit early. So anybody that's listening to this, we're recording in the morning and figured like, well, you, you know, you can't drink all day unless you drink in the morning. And then we do encourage drinking responsibly. Yes, we do. Uh, and, and bourbon's not just for breakfast anymore. So it's, it's an, it's an, it's an all day affair. It can be, <laughs> but today, you know, we're, we're kind of, this is a little bit different, right? We have a guest that is, uh, somebody who would actually kind of reached out a little bit. I, I saw them post on his Instagram story and I, I started following. I'm like, who is this guy? And I'm like, holy shit. It's a, we have a WWE wrestler that actually follows the podcast. Yeah. I actually went to, I had drinks with, with, Matt, um, a, a while back, and you know we've stayed in touch, and I, I, I would say become friends. And uh, whenever he's in a city, he'll text me. He's like, "Hey, um, is there any good liquor stores here, or something like that?" I'm like, and I'll give him a list of of liquor stores and so forth. So uh, this is kind of what I believe is like the next wave of of like bourbon geekdom, in which we actually get to connect with with celebrities who care about bourbon, not just because they're getting a check from bourbon, which to my knowledge, Matt is not. And, you know, he's connecting to bourbon because he loves bourbon. And that is the next wave of what we will see in this kind of this mountain of bourbon growing. So, but you're trying to just tell me it's a matter of time until he comes out with his own private label as well. I think that's a question we should ask him. <laughs> um, I, I personally think it would, it might be a I know the WWE very well. I have a friend who's like their their head of corporate communications. And um, John Cena was actually going to write a forward for one of my books. And uh, he would he had to pull out because of the alcohol angle. Mm. So it was it was one of those things where, you know, they're very cautious of anything alcohol in the WWE. Well. I think that's a good way that we could probably just tag some of those questions to our guests. So let's go ahead and introduce them. So today on the show, we have Matt Raywalt, or sometimes better known as Aiden English of the WWE Super Fandom. So Matt, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thank you for having me. Look out McConaughey, I'm the next one. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> I, I dare say that you, know, you would uh, probably deliver more for 
whatever brand you worked on than, than McConaughey would. And Hell I mean yeah. that from from like a passion standpoint. Um, you know, McConaughey, he's he's done some commercials and blended some things, but I think in the bourbon world, not everyone believes him. <laughs> yeah, right. I think I feel like they'd have to they'd have to kick me out of the of the distillery and everything. Like, all right, leave us alone. You've put your part in. No, and, let me do more. Like, and I given you can in. body slam him, that would be very difficult. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's true. I mean, he showed up, and I was looking up. I was like, holy shit! I hope he doesn't punch me across the table today. <laughs> But let's go ahead. Let's kind of talk uh, first about you and whiskey, and then we'll get into some wrestling as well. So sure. kind of how'd you get into whiskey? So I remember the first time I met up with Fred and kind of asked a similar question, like, what got you? And I'm thinking about it now and getting ready for this podcast. I'm like, that's going to you know come up. What was it? I'm like, God, I don't remember. There, like, there was no crystallizing moment. Um, but I think... I think I remember back to, I was in a, well, first of all, I was watching Mad Men. <laughs> That's where I think it honestly started. It was something like that. And I was like, Don Draper is sitting there and they're drinking like Canadian clubs and drinking in their office and everything. And of course at the time it's like, well, that looks very slick. It looks badass. I feel like a bit of a, uh, like fool. Cause I feel like it was the people like in the, in the 60s smoking they saw it in movies and it looked cool and it became this whole like national epidemic i'm like that's not a reason to do something but i'm like it looked sophisticated it looks like i'm like but i can't drink whiskey mm-hmm. not straight mm-hmm. yeah i've been at a bar and i shot it and followed it up with a beer or a coke or something like that i'm like and i force it down but i'm like just be able to sit there casually calmly sip and look at someone in the eye and tell you what you think of them and <laughs> <laughs> something like you know i'm like that's that's, that's what men do, right? Like, it's, kids kids shoot it back. Men, they drink it. So I'm like, oh, I can't do that. How do I do that? And I was in Borders, and I forgot this a while ago, but I think I remember, I think it was Lou Bryson's Tasting Whiskey book. Oh, wow. I saw it on the shelf. Because I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. And um, and it was, and it was just like, you just got to, you got to sip it. You got to drink it. You got to let it sit in your mouth. You've got to taste it. You can't just, so I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I remember I took about, probably a month and I bought a bottle of Knob Creek single barrel because I saw I'm like that's really high proof mm-hmm. if I can handle that by the end of this or whatever I can handle most I think in between and everything so I sat there with like a Coke Zero in one hand my like glass of that and I would sip take a sip sip take a sip you know uh, every so every you know every couple nights or whatever until I needed less and less Coke and until I was just doing okay and everything. And literally, it was just, I was like, it was like training. It was, like, it was like working out. It's like almost you forced yourself yeah, to do a it. a little bit, like, but, it, but I wanted to. And um, it was like, yeah, it was like working out. It was like, you got to get your reps in. You just, you got to, you stand the pain and you'll, you'll feel better at, for it and everything. And I did. And then, and then like. Hold on, wait. He just compared hey, drinking whiskey to yeah. working out. You guys are top athletes. <laughs> you are the top of your field. You are impeccable. There should be an Olympic sport. I was about to say, we should probably You guys start are gold medalists yeah, in my can, eyes. We can figure out a way to do the bourbon Olympics. We got, oh, my we got, goodness. We got, we got at least the podium standards yeah, right that's here. That's the next bourbon and beyond event I, is the I, bourbon Olympics. I love it. I love it. That is fantastic. Hell, yeah. I love that. But it was, and that's, that's what it was. And then, so I think it was after that that I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get it. This is cool. And I started looking, started looking at books. I saw Fred's books. And then... I'm driving all the time, um, like literally. So we're driving three, four hours between each town, three or four times a week, every single week of the year. So listen to a lot of music, a lot of podcasts. Podcasts were big in my car, and so I was like, literally, you guys were the first one I found. I was like, I typed in bourbon into iTunes podcasts, up comes Bourbon Pursuit, and I'm like, okay. And the uh, listened to the first couple episodes and was lost. <laughs> you got using all the acronyms and talking about this and blah, I'm like, what are they? What is BTAC? I like, guess we got to dial it down sometimes. Stuff, like everything, um, but no, no. But it's like stuck it out and listen. Kept kind of kept backtracking all the all the, especially all the roundtables and everything. Uh, it's like okay, oh, I get it. And like, uh, and that's re- honestly, you, you guys are kind of got me into like the community of it. So I was like, all right. And I realized it was this cool kind of big industry, but you guys got me into the, the community of it. And like, oh, wow, there's like a whole, 
fandom for this, like, like there is within it, like kind of in our business. I mean, there's fans. And I mean, like when we're not Hollywood, we're not, we're, we're kind of a niche thing in the WWE and like, but it's a huge, very fervent niche. And like, I was finding bourbon to be the same way. I'm like, whoa, there's this whole group of people who seek it out and write blogs about it, write books about it, have websites, have like people that like dedicate time to this. Like, like anything with just people, you know, comic books, with TV shows, with movies, with, you know, science fiction, all this stuff. I'm like, we're getting to this huge era, like across the board of fandom and appreciation. And like, it's not, I say this, absolute love and respect like the whole idea of like the nerd and anything like and being a negative connotation is like gone like thank god <laughs> you can be you, know, you can be a nerd about anything and it's, it's cool like yeah. yeah man i'm a i'm a whiskey near i'm a whiskey geek or i'm a, i'm a movie geek i'm a candle nerd you know what i mean like but it's like oh okay that's your thing and so it was cool to just to see a, a bunch of people uh that interested that dedicated and that just committed to this whole thing i'm like oh and like especially I know I'm, I'm just rambling here, but like- We like that. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. Hell yeah. But especially like for me, my job is so all consuming. Cause like four days of the week, 24 hours a day, I'm gone, I'm in it. We're wrestling, we're meeting fans, we're doing all this stuff. My whole life is wrestling. So if I can find something outside of that, cause like when I go home, I don't wanna be, I, I, I love wrestling, but I don't want to be doing, all right, now I'm going to go watch six hours of matches and go practice moves and everything. I need, I'm going to play myself on PlayStation. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have done that though. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, it's nice to have something outside of that that I can get away to and I can dive into that's kind of away from that. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, and I, as a, for some, this is the first thing in a long time. I never got like, I like video games, but I've never got like into it. Um, I liked, I love movies, but like I never was writing a blog on a site or anything about my favorite movies and stuff like that. But the, the first, I cannot even explain it for whatever reason. Yeah, I kept well, you, going deeper and deeper. And like, in, you know, in, in kind of the typical, um, you know, wrestling fashion, you've all, you've now created your own whiskey persona in some ways. Uh, it's, is that the real you? Like when we see wrestling with whiskey, which is your your Instagram handle mm -hmm. and, and and kind of what your uh, a little bit of your your side hustle um, is, is that the real you or is that the guy that's slamming people on the canvas? <laughs> little column A, little column B. I mean, um, I mean, there's a little of me in the guy who's slamming people on the canvas too. You know what I mean? Like that's like that's what you really do. Like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Uh, you know, that's what I get to do for a living. There, there's a part of me, yeah. I think there's a part of all of us that wants to be that guy who's. Oh, I'd love to get it. Oh, ring. as yeah. long as I could actually win, I don't, right? don't want to get in there and get my ass kicked. You can have the, uh, the the candy glass bottle of bourbon would be your foreign object of choice or yeah. whatever. You crack it over your opponent's head on a weekly basis. He's got ninety decanters lined up, yeah. ready to go. And <laughs> Just put them on a table and throw the guy through it. Glass going everywhere. But so, uh, so you had mentioned that you were you do a lot of traveling between all the shows and you said they're about, you know, three to four hours between every city. Now have these turned into six, seven hour trips because you're stopping off the side of the road to go check out liquor stores <laughs> off the beaten path. Let's, because I know you're really getting into this and you're starting oh, to get yeah. into hunting. Oh yeah. So like it, uh, well, it doesn't turn in, I don't, it doesn't turn into that because the drives are at two in the morning and nothing's open. <laughs> but, uh, what it turns into is I get up, three hours earlier than I need to, to get the gym done. So I have time between that and the show that night to go literally, I've spent in the last, especially in the last like six, eight months, inordinate amount of times like hunting around random small cities. Like I set aside, like I'll go, I literally map out about six or seven stores sometimes and go check them out and uh, just see what they got. You know what I mean? Because for me, like I live in a pretty big market in Chicago. So like we get, pretty much everything. So, but I'm always looking for, cause I, and I see people in, in Bourboner and like on these blogs all the time, never discount some of these local stores. You never know. Like I've gone into something like we've got a couple of huge stores in Chicago, but I went into some literally tiny corner of a strip mall in, I think like Pensacola. No, was it Pensacola, Florida? Somewhere, somewhere, a smaller town, corner store, strip mall, pretty much no name. It literally just said liquor on the thing. And it's, I know it's not a super rare release, but I found like a 10 year single barrel Bellmead. 
and I, I never see those in Chicago. Like mm-hmm. you just, they just don't pop up, not at the Binnie's or, or at many of our bigger chains or anything, or even my local stores. So it was like, that's awesome. Like just even, it doesn't always have to be a limited release or anything like that, but um, seeing just little things I can't find at home or store picks too is now, and now with store picks being yeah. all the rage, I kind of have a unique opportunity to go and try a store pick from Santa Monica, California, or from Memphis, Tennessee, or from, you know, Boston or something like that. So, uh, I can get outside my local region and like, I can try single barrels from all over the, all over the country. And it's kind of a cool Has there been a store that's really connected with you? Like, oh, like, um... You know, like a liquor store that you're like, oh my God, I have to keep getting his store picks. So I just, so there was one I got, the first one I got was in, was in Memphis. Buster's Liquor in Memphis had a Russell's. That was one of the first ones on the road that I got. And uh, I took that home and that one was very good. Um, and then I just also recently, Blind Pig in Houston. Oh yeah, yeah, Blind Pig. Had a uh, bunch of people had recommended that one to me and I went in there and the, now on top of that, which made it even better was that was one of the first stores where you went in and like the people at the store, which you have, were, they were great. And they, they, how you doing? What are you looking at? Oh, what, what kind of store picks do you have? Oh, we got this, we got this. Hey, do you want to try them? They had a little, you know, learn. So they talked about them. They like, they knew their stuff. They made me feel welcome. And it made me not only, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a good pour, but they also made me, feel like, yeah, like part of the crew and everything. So it, it encouraged me, I don't know whether if it was a marketing technique or what, but it made me encourage me to, I, I want to support guys like this. So I bought, you know, I bought a bottle there and it was, it was really good. But, um, those are, those are the two, especially in recent memory that stuck out to me. Nice. So I kind of want to, we're take another hard left here and I want to <clears throat> talk about you inside the ring. Uh, because maybe there's, there's probably a, a good percent of your audience that, uh, may not watch it, so kind of give them an idea of how you got into wrestling, what your persona is, that sort of thing. Sure. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today, shopify.com slash bourbon. Nice. So I kind of want to, we're taking another hard left here and I want to talk about you inside the ring uh, because maybe there's, there's probably a, a good percent of your audience that uh, may not watch it. So kind of give them an idea of how you got into wrestling, what your persona is, that sort of thing. Sure. So, I mean, I always wanted to be a wrestler since I was a kid and mainly because I couldn't watch it. So were your parents hard asses there? No, we, did, we didn't have cable TV. Oh, well. So mon- the only show that was out there, yeah, was Monday Night Raw on USA. You know, it's also come full circle because now everybody's just cutting the cable anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> now nobody has cable TV. I don't have cable TV. I can't watch my own show. I have to wait for it to come on Hulu the next day. Um, it's, yeah, it's totally, it's totally wild. But yeah, so like for the longest time, all of my friends at school, 
oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, oh, Shawn Michaels. I was like, what is going on? I need to know. Everybody's talking about this. I need to know what it is. So I found some like second run like review show on my local channel on Saturday nights that just kind of showed clips. And I was like, oh, yep, that's cool. And then I just... I never stopped watching. Eventually it came to network TV with SmackDown in 1999 and I just, I never stopped. I never grew out of it or anything. I never, it never changed. I just, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, uh, eventually I was like, all right, I want to do it. Um, what do I got to do to do it? So I had to find a school and, uh, the WWE had a developmental system called FCW at the time in Tampa. Before we get to that, were you, were you already like a pretty like Pretty bulky guy. Absolutely like, not. You weren't you weren't already like the shape that you're in now? I know only the people on the camera because you see this microphone pole here. If you can see a microphone stand, just imagine one in your head if you're listening. But take that and cut it in half, and that was about the size of my arm. Like, wow. no, I, I am a horribly skinny kid. To this day, I have to make an effort to eat enough food to maintain any kind of like size. God damn, that must be nice. <laughs> no. See, no, you know what? I'm going to nip this one in the bud. I am. I hate that. I got, I've been getting that okay. since college. All right. Uh, it, no, it's funny, but like, I hope people are like, God, you can't say that. I couldn't say that around girls in, in like college. They were like, Oh, I hate you. Yeah. Uh, but like for me, it's almost a similar struggle to people who are trying to like lose weight. Like, they have to really put the effort in. I have to watch what I eat and everything. For me, especially for what I wanted to do, I, I was miserable. I, in college, I was waking up at 2 in the morning drinking 1,000-calorie shakes to get enough calories in for my in 24 hours or whatever to try to put on weight and everything. Listen, man, if I'd have known you then, I just would have gotten an IV line <laughs> straight from my, from my fat guy, <laughs> and, and you could have had all of it. See, so. yeah, well— Hey, he's, he's gonna hindsight get a, is 2020. He's going to get a Crave case and some Taco Bell after yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But no, so yeah, no, I had I had to get a buddy who got me into working out and showed me what to do and everything. And uh, so I got into that and then I just went down and uh, my parents made me go to college. That was their one thing. They're like, they've been always super, super supportive. Whatever you want to do, they're like, but our one thing is please go to college. Mm. I don't care what you go for. I don't care where you go. Just get a piece of paper that somebody said you went here for four years and you're good for something <laughs> at the end of it. I don't care what it is. So I went to Columbia College in Chicago, studied acting because I thought, hey, if I can do acting, then that'll help me on TV later if I can get a shot doing this. And I did like stage combat and fight choreography because I thought, hey, that could kind of play into the whole world of WWE. And so once I finished so you that, you really had this dream for a while. Oh, like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't just something you stumbled into. No, 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 no. You no. really worked. This was the this. plan. Um, it wasn't a good plan. <laughs> um, I mean, it worked out good. Knock on wood. But like, it. You uh, have a tin plate in there because that was like that was I could, really hard. I, I picked it up in my headphones. Uh, Jesus. That's him knocking. No, I just have him knocking his I, head, I just have no way. hair, so there's no padding there. Uh. <laughs> so it's it was just it's super thin. Uh, but yeah, no, I just, that, that was the plan. That was in my head. It was just, there was something that was like, man, like you can do this. There's something, it just, it felt right. It was like, you're, mm. you're going to do it. I don't know how, I don't know how long it's going to take. This makes sense to me more than anything has so far. Like I wanted to write things. I wanted to like write poetry. I wanted to write screenplays. I wanted to act, but like I needed to do this. So I did it, and I, I found a training school that was being offered by that Florida developmental system, FCW. They offered a class, rented a room off of a guy on Craigslist, stayed in his house, a, a stranger who, uh, looking back now, uh, was a terrible idea. It seemed to make so much sense at the time. Oh, yeah, great, great price. You know, it's right near the, the school I need to go to, but I lived with a stranger. And that, the fact that he had cameras all over the room never you no, know, did anything no, to you. No, no. no though, that's common in all Florida homes, right? Yeah, that's just something they do. They're very security conscious. But yeah, this strange guy, luckily there was another student from the class living in like the little pool house or something. So we outnumbered him, so I felt a little safer. But uh, yeah, then I just, I just literally, I did that and uh, had a great relationship with my trainer, Norman Smiley. And um, when the time came, 
he uh, he put me he put me over to the right people and literally right place right time. About a, you know six months after that, somebody called me. They offered me a job, and I couldn't believe it. Um, what was your first job? I mean, it, it was straight into the, the WWE. WWE. It was so. It, or was it with they like were developmental? The, so okay, like they yeah. owned they owned what uh, was called FCW at the time. Yeah, it was yeah. in Tampa, and uh, it was like it's like AAA baseball. Yeah. Hey, if we hire you, we send you here first. You develop, and then right. we bring you up to the majors, which is the traveling main uh, WWE roster. But while I was down there, it exploded into what this group is, wrestling fans will know, NXT, which is like this whole like third tertiary brand of WWE. And uh, it's still kind of, I mean, qu- like the quote-unquote AAA of WWE, but it's like it's, they've made their own thing. And it, that kind of started while I was there. So I got to see it grow from this unknown little like sector unto itself called FCW explode into this actually kind of global third brand and third arm of WWE that's now a huge huge brand in the company so what is the what is the WWE fan base what is it what is it the demographics of the WWE that's the easiest way to say it is is everybody mm. it like it especially now um I think there was an argument probably to be made and I think especially by people who didn't fully understand the business, especially back 15, 20 years ago, that would like to tell you, you know, it's, it's blue collar, it's, it's working class, it's low income people, whatever. There's a lot of stereotypes about wrestling fans. Um, but I really think it was always a little bit more wide than that, especially if you look, if you look at like things like the television ratings and everything from some of the, the viewing rates of like WrestleMania three and 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome for Hogan and Andre. Like that's not just, you know, a bunch of yeah blue collar worker, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't want to use any derogatory terms, but like the, the stereotypical terms people would use that that's not just them. And then now, especially as we've gotten into this more global brand, it's more kind of a little bit more progressive brand. It's, it's literally, I mean, you have, you run the gamut, and that's one thing I love about our shows is like, yeah, there's, a, there's you know, WrestleMania's got its exclusive expensive front row seats. But I mean, most of our shows, you, I mean, you can get a ticket for 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Like this, this, we get everybody, kids, you know, moms, parents, blue collar, white collar, doctors, lawyers, uh, everybody in between. So South Park did this uh, great uh, spoof <laughs> on it. I uh, love that episode. Was it about 10 years ago they did yeah. this or something? And um, yeah, that was really for a lot of people was was kind of the the changing of the tide from like wrestling was this was a sport that was portraying itself, you know, like hacksaw Jim Duggan was actually whacking you upside the head with the two by four, which mm-hmm. he was, uh, <laughs> and a lot of this stuff was like you know real. But this was that episode kind of like revealed in a lot of ways that you know this is more of a choreographed um, sport than it is like say football per yeah. se. So can you can you talk about that to like a little bit to like you know the state of 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 wrestling in terms of how it is uh perceived from um from the populace? Yeah, and that's changed a lot especially in the last god probably like 10 like 10 years. Um because it was it was especially during a lot of those early time it was very what we like to call like it was a protected business. It was don't let the people in. Don't let them know how, don't let them know how the sausage is made. This is our thing, you know, protect it. As far as, you know, as far as the outside world's concerned, it's all, it's all real. I mean, it's great. Even, even in 1999, when we had the undertaker sacrificing people on an altar and lighting it on fire, there was still this idea of like, well, don't tell them it's, it's a show. Like <laughs> there's just, there's a stubbornness a little bit to it. But, um, and I don't say this just as me, like as a company, we've kind of opened the doors, we've opened the curtain, we've had done documentaries, we've done all kinds of things. So like, it's not, it's no longer a secret. It's a show. This yeah. is what we do. I mean, we, it's a TV show like any other. We just happen to, you know, we're live every week. We're out in an arena of people. It's not all editing and sound stages and everything that like we do. It's just, it's a live television show that's action. You know, it's action based, it's sport based. Um, there's storylines. Yeah, there's storylines. There's it's it's actors who are being their own stuntmen because that, that's the other thing is about it is like yeah we're putting on the show yeah we're telling you the story but 
when I get slammed by Rusev or whoever, I'm not checking out, bringing someone else out, cutting, doing. That's me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my big thing to everybody was we know we're going to fall. Doesn't mean we're not falling. Mm-hmm. When you see me hit that mat, I'm still hitting the mat. Yeah, okay, we, we go over, and I know that the guy's going to lift me up. I know he's going to slam me to the mat. But I'm telling you right now, it's still happening. It's still hurting. I'm still waking up the next morning with pains in my knees and all this stuff. It's still super physical. And I think, especially now, there's become, finally become like an appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time, when, uh, especially after your era, attitude era of Stone Cold Steve Austin, when it was hot, there was a bit of a downward trend. And I think people kind of jump back on the thing. Wrestling is quote unquote fake. It's phony, whatever. Yeah, we're a show guys. But I think that's kind of starting to pass. People are like, yeah, we know it is. We know it's a show, but what they're doing out there is kind of wild. Like, especially guys have gotten more and more athletic. It's, it's less about big lumbering guys, just throwing people over their head. And we've got, we've got serious athletes, got guys, flipping off the ropes, diving to the outside, throwing each other and picking each other up, like going at a pace that has never been done in the business before. And I'm pretty sure you're all shaved and oiled up. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, baby oil is no longer, you know, kosher. It's cocoa butter, (laughs) okay? There's a little less slide to it when you're trying to pick them. It's cocoa butter. It's a little bit of water. And I'm not giving all the trade secrets. Never mind. (laughs) So, Kenny, when I, when I, uh, Wait, you, Mac do you want to put tickets? cocoa butter on before we go? For I got some in my bag. <laughs> I'm always prepared. Always have your bag. <laughs> to, to, to his point about like it, he's still hitting, hitting the ground. When he left, when he, when I watched him, uh, he got me front row tickets to to a match. And uh, when he left, his back was entirely red, and his like his you know his chest and his arms. I mean, I'm pretty sure he had a big cut. On his shoulder. I mean, it's just like it looked like the guy had put in, been put in a, um, in a dryer, and it, it was tumbling the whole time. I mean, it freaking looks exhausting and painful to be in that ring. So this isn't anything new either. We had start, we had, we were talking about it before we started recording that this has been going on for a hundred, hundred and twenty years, where uh, you know it was a carnival or a circus, and people would beat the shit out of each other for a few bucks in front of people, and they said, "Well, we can't do that anymore. We got to." sort of dial it back down and, and make a show out of it. So that's kind of kind of what's still been going on. Yeah, we just it's just taken that to the nth degree, really. Um it just there was more there was more life, there was more value really in like let's let's make a show for the people. And it it, it kind of grew into this whole whole thing and then you know expanded from guys like that like George Hackenschmidt to guys like Gorgeous George and like and stuff in the fifties, Luthez and um Still, there's still this very kind of downplayed, uh, per, like environment. It wasn't all the lights and glitz of today, but like it started coming there. You know, people started coming out with robes and entrances and music and like uh, Muhammad Ali. Everyone says that Gorgeous George is the one who influenced him to be so brash and so bold and everything. Like wow. he, he loved wrestling, so it's like they're re- wrestling and the WWE and like sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it has had this, these little indelible touches on like pop culture that I think people sometimes forget. And then, I mean, without saying people like Hulk Hogan and and then, and then it's, it's moved into this, this new era, like I said, with all these super athletic guys. And there's even guys who came along about 15, 20 years ago that guys like Eddie Guerrero, who is actually my wife's father. who's was like, and Kurt Angle, these guys who were athletes, they were smaller, but they were athletes and they, they kind of changed the business and they, they've become some of the best of all time, um, combining everything that we've all been talking about. Now we have the athleticism and the, this style of wrestling from all over the world combined with the comedy and the entertainment and the drama and everything that we combined today. And it became this huge, like total package, which has now kind of taken us all over the world. You you mentioned your wife, uh you know, I there's in no doubt there are a lot of wrestling fans uh, listening right now. But just, for those who don't know, tell tell them who your wife is. Oh, yeah. So uh, my wife is Shaw Guerrero, and the daughter of uh, Eddie and Vicky Guerrero. If you're a wrestling fan, um, they're uh, <clears throat> the Guerrero family is is extremely popular and very well known in the wrestling world. Uh, his father 
and grandfather, he's a third generation. He, um, when he wrestled, he was a third generation. His, uh, his father was gory and they've just in Mexico and then into like Texas and in and all over America, all his brothers wrestled, his uncles wrestled. So like they, they've been all over, um, his cousin, uh, or his nephew Chavo still is still wrestling. And like, so his, his daughter, she, she wrestled with us for a while. And, um, that's where I met her. I met her down in, in Tampa. And, uh, actually yesterday was, would have been his I believe 51st birthday. Um, uh, he, he passed away a little while ago and, um, it was really sad for the whole, for the whole wrestling world. Um, he was, it was a huge loss just cause every, and everybody, everybody loved him. Easily one of the top five wrestlers <laughs> of all time. Top three. Like if you, that's three. something like you ask anyone and especially anyone who ever worked with him, it was just like, God, they were like, he was just, he was good. He was so good. It was like, you were wrestling air. Like they were just like, it was so easy. And like, he made everything so good. And the great thing about this, there's a lot of guys who get one part of the business, but they don't get other. They, they're a great athlete, but they're not very funny or entertaining. They're 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 incredibly charismatic, but they're not a they're not a good wrestler. They're 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 not in good shape and everything. He literally, and I just said this in a documentary that WWE is going to be airing. Like, had everything. Like he he was he he had this charm to him. He had this like this kind of cheeky smile that, that just kind of disarmed you but he was vicious he could make you laugh and he was probably one of the best athletes on the planet like just literally the total package uh wrapped up wrapped up in one thing and i'm i, I always always wish uh, um i wish i would have had the chance to meet him do you do you ever like when you were marrying into that family did were you nervous that you know, you would be judged for your wrestling a little bit more because you're, you know, you're marrying into like the top, you know, wrestling tree yeah. in history. Um, people ask, and it, I'd be lying if I said no, because I mean, it, it, of course you think about it. You can't not think about it. But to me, it was, it, it wasn't about that. That's at the end of the day, it's like everyone, oh, how does it feel to be like a member of the group? It's like, <clears throat> I f- like, I don't want to push it away, but at the same time, it's like, I don't feel like that honor is mine. It's her, it's, it's my wife's, it's her sister's, it's, it's her mom's. They can do with it or not do anything with it as they will or whatever. Like, I just happen to fall in love with the girl with the last name Guerrero. You know wow. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that circumstance. And that's great. That I happen to be a wrestler, great, fine. But, like, I'm not here to carry the torch. For I will, I'm proud as all hell to be in, you know, associated with all of them mm-hmm. and um, to be able to be able to know them and as a family and everything like that. But like, I'm just, I'm always cautious about like, this isn't my flag to bear kind of thing like that. You know what I mean? And it's not that I don't want the responsibility, but it's just like, it's not mine. It wasn't given to me. Like um, I'll honor them in what ways that I can, but I'm, I'm not gonna, in, in, unless, you know, that's given to me, it's not my torch to carry. It's, you know, it's my wife and her families. And, um, but I will. But of course, in everything I'll do, I'll try to, uh, you know, I'll try to make him proud. But it's not. Yeah, it's 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 mm-hmm. it's just happenstance, man. I fell in love with the right girl. <laughs> oh, we all have that story, right? You know, you body slam your wife, and you're like, yeah. this is this is this is gonna last forever. Is that not how you guys all <laughs> met? No. Oh. So I, I kind of want to talk about how you're gonna cement your place in, in WWE history, right? So kind of give people an idea of like what your persona is in the ring. Are you the good guy? Are you the bad guy? Are you the guy that's stealing the girls? Are you guys, are, oh, are he's you, he's bad as shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's super evil. Yeah, it's, I've always grabbed it with the. So they always say it's kind of there's a little saying in our business that the on TV like the good guys are the jerks in real life, and the bad guys are like the nicest guys in real life because the bad guys. They're always they're always so giving because at the end of the day usually it's the good guy who wins that's the story you want to tell and this in ninety nine percent of media that's at the end of the day no matter if it takes four movies to tell at the end of the story the good guy wins so at the end the bad guy is the one giving he's getting beat up he's gonna be the one putting the making the guy good guy look strong so like the good bad guys are always very giving and so I think they always get the reputation of being like super nice guys and everything like that. Of course, that's it's a stereotype. It doesn't go to a T. But um, 
I've always, I've always gravitated to being the bad guy, man. It's, it's fun. It's a little easier. It's easier to get people to hate you than like you. You got to work, you got to work genuinely and work hard to get people to like you and you got to earn it. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't just happen overnight. They, they can't put you on television and say, he's a good guy because we say so. And the, <laughs> he's, got Amer- the, he's, he's coming out with a two by oh, four yeah. and American flag pants. You know, he's got to be the good guy. <laughs> yeah. Especially with our fans, it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Mervin sometimes you can't just put out like a release and just be like, Hey, yeah, we're something from 1812. We're the oldest thing in the country. Like people are going to be like, yeah, BS. You got to prove it that you're a good, you know, before, mm-hmm. before we buy into you. And it's the same thing with us. They're not just cause you put it out there and say, it's awesome. Doesn't mean the fans are going to buy into it. So, um, it's a and so it's a little easier to go out there and tell everyone they're pieces of crap. <laughs> and, and get him to boo you than it is to uh, to to get him to love you. So the other thing that you had mentioned earlier is these guys that are very charismatic that come out with robes, and you you have this bad boy persona, bad guy persona. Have you ever thought about trying to change it? You know, you come out with your uh, your decanter whiskey. You know, you're walking down the ramp and and trying to be this uh, this this madman type character inside the WWE. Are they? Think you could think they'll uh, they'll splurge for that one? <laughs> I mean, never say never. That's that's the biggest thing in our industry. Never say never. But don't they have like? I, so this is something that I face when um, you know John Cena was this close to writing my forward is that they don't want to uh, put the brand next to alcohol. You know, is so is it, is it possible that we probably won't ever see you or anyone like bringing a bottle of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam? As a weapon? So it, it depends. Uh, again, never say never. Right. Um, and I, I, that's generally seems to be the case and that's, and that's fine. And I get that. And we are, we're a PG product. We're a family product. Um, that's true. I mean, I guess when you think about it, there's a lot of nine and 10 year olds that do watch this. And so, yeah, we don't, you know, you don't necessarily want to push a 21 plus product, um, and I, what we're trying to be considering a family show. Um, and, and frankly, the brands themselves are held by standards, you know, within their own industry, within the industry and by the Federal Trade Commission that they right. won't push for things like that. So the the WWE would basically have to have an audience that was, you know, something like 75% over 21. Right. And I mean, and so it, it everything, times change, demographics change. All the, I remember a while back, I mean, we were entertaining a, a beer sponsorship back in the day and that may have been when demographics were trending a little bit higher and everything like that in higher ages and they, so things and things change um I don't see it right now and that's fine and I, I don't thing is I don't need it um but like I said uh, you don't always have to uh I like kind of having whiskey as a thing that's not work related mm-hmm. all right but let's give him a good bourbon wrestling nickname let's let's, <laughs> let's think about it and you know present him at the end of the show oh you don't think like old english old english oh, oh, that, that is good <laughs> isn't that, that a is malt liquor? wait it is yeah. i think it's a it's a that 44 was, that was my nickname liquor. in fcw because my name was english <laughs> and one of the referees we kept making the joke about old english and then i was like that's a thing and then i looked at them yeah it's a 40 ounce malt liquor 100 yeah, proof it's disgusting just, just, just 100 proof what it's disgusting top shelf <laughs> So another thing is, you know, you've, you've really grasped on and getting into whiskey outside of wrestling and you've got a few different media handles that you're going through. So you've got your, your Aiden English that's through, through Instagram and you, you, you actually promote a lot of, uh, whiskey stuff through there and moving, trying to get people to also follow you with wrestling with whiskey. So how's that reception been of people that are following you for your your workout tips or anything like that and then you're throwing like hey go drink Henry McKenna like how's <laughs> how's that like uh influencing going um it's it's interesting and I think I mean it's kind of like what we were just saying though <clears throat> I have a I have a decent following and fan base between like Instagram and Twitter but uh I'm also because I, I want to be responsible and everything with it all the all of my whiskey related social media and everything, I do specify, you know, please be 21 plus to follow and stuff like that. So that, I mean, the fact of the matter is that cuts off a large section of my audience. Cause I mean, I just looked at my demographics on Twitter on my primary Twitter, uh, excuse me, Instagram and thing. And there's, there's a huge section of teenagers and, and stuff like that following from around, around the world and everything. So, um, whether they choose to listen to that 21 plus or not or whatever. So it's, it's a little, it's a slow transition, but like, um, 
I'm not, I'm not trying. It doesn't have to be, I'm not, I don't have a goal in mind. I don't have a number in mind. I don't have, it's, I'm just going to put it out there. You're this just is, having fun, man. Yeah. This is something I'm doing the fun. Yeah. If you're into this, like I am, or if you're thinking about it, that, yeah. cause that, that's my big message with it is, is that, uh, very, very recently, I was very much and still am like a beginner in this. I so, I don't, there's so much I don't know. And like, and I think you guys have even addressed it on the podcast. Sometimes the community can be a little, sometimes rough on, on newbies and, and, you know, a little. Oh yeah. There's definitely a lot of turds out there. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I would say, I would say, is it, are they being rough or are they trying to educate? Because I, I think sometimes we get lost in what is what is an asshole and what is someone who's really genuinely passionate yes. about it and just saying like, no, you shouldn't drink like this or this is how that should be drunk. I mean, you know, it comes through it for God's sakes. I'm, that's how I've made my limit. Living. 100%. So, you know, it, it, you know, in the learning process, bourbon people are very accepting. Unlike a lot of the people I see commenting in your Instagram feeds on wrestling, <laughs> who hate you and say you suck, you shouldn't have won that match, or vice versa. Friend, you know, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. That means I'm doing my job. <laughs> it means I'm really good. It's really so you, it's like it's opposite really day. Yeah, for everyone who says I suck, which is a lot, it means I'm doing my job really good. And then there's the uh, kind of real creepy. You know, guy from Brazil, like, oh, you're so hot, or something like that. You know, it's like you get yes. a lot of that kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. There's always one. There's always yeah. one. Oh, there's more than one. <laughs> there's a lot. Have you ever been stalked? No, thank goodness. Uh, a lot of weird messages. You know, a lot of message requests and and uh, DMs and Wait, stuff. Wait, so are like people sending you dick pics and stuff? No, thank God. Uh, well, <laughs> to be fair, there's a lot of them that you won't, you can't see the picture unless you accept the message, and I don't accept the message. There could have been some loss in the shuffle there, but uh, no, there's a, a lot of. Um, I just got one the other day. Actually, it was like it was. I'm absolutely, of course, not going to name names, but it was like this guy. He thought he this this is a message he thought was legitimately going to like touch me and like get my support. He's like, hey. Uh, my five-year-old son likes wrestling and he does finishing moves to his like friends or something in our basement. Like, this is horribly dangerous. We made a YouTube channel for him. Will you watch it? And everything like that. Like, so him, he's supporting his kid, his five-year-old developing child. He's like, yeah, I take him to a ring sometimes and put, jump him off the top rope and everything. Like, and then he's like, yeah, and we were in, we were in Florida and we, uh, we snuck into John Cena's community like closed gated community we snuck in and took pictures in front of his house isn't that cool <laughs> like he thought this would like make, make, make me reach out to him and like what, oh, are you, wow. what are you thinking man like it it, it is uh there's some there are some wild people out there it is and but i mean you use you use instagram a lot and you're very you're very uh active on it and do you look at that as a way to you know first probably connect with the fans but also let them see the real you behind the scenes that's not that's not in the ring yeah 100 percent. and like i remember i got on instagram in like late 2015 and i was really like i was very crotchety about it i was very opposed to it i, I fought it very hard because like it, like some people are like uh, I, I was literally at 25 years old, like, I don't need that newfangled social media bull crap. You know, oh, these kids. This will die off yeah, in six that, months. <laughs> yeah, who needs this? And I was like, oh, wait, this is a thing. And especially in my line of work, I'm like, oh, I need to kind of be out there. But I, I really I really took to it, um, especially like Instagram. I think it just, it did. It allowed me to kind of tell, it took, you can tell simple stories on there, which I like, it's a picture, you know, it's a picture with, as much or as little as you want to say. And sometimes, you know, sometimes nothing at all. So I've had pictures with no caption that have gotten more responses and everything than something that I read a novel on. Like, and, and it's, I do, I do like to train. And that's one thing that's fun about our business is a lot of what it is, is it's kind of a lot of half truths, half realities. Like a lot of our characters are based in who we are. They're not totally fictional. There's, there's aspects of, there's a lot of people who, you, you know, bring in their real life spouses, you know, Dan O'Brien and Brie Bella are, they're actually married and they have a child together and they, you know, they incorporate a little, little touches of that into, into their TV personas. Um, Miz and his wife, Maurice, same thing. Yeah. They get their own show now. Yeah. And so like, and 
you know, and that's reality TV, but like that, that's part of their real life too. And so like for me, I like to kind of, yeah, bounce between those lines. I know I'll put over the next storyline, I'll put over our shows and everything, but I'll, I'll show you a picture of me and my wife at our house and you know, what we're decorating for Christmas and you know, what, and I'm, what you're drinking, what I'm toasting to. Yeah. That yeah. night. Exactly. And, uh, so it, and you know what the funny thing is, um, as much as people love seeing what's happening on SmackDown next week, I feel like they engage more and respond more to, you know, what's going on in your home and your life and who you are as a person. And I know Fred and I can always say thank you for helping spread the, the bourbon gospel to a lot of <laughs> yeah. your followers as well. Because it's, as we talked about, I mean, that's what Bourbon Beyond is. It's the fringe customers, these people that yeah. can really get into it. And if they, if they see somebody that, you know, you watched Mad Men and that's how you got into it. And then they see you and they're like... Fucking, fucking yeah, Matt, you know, that's Matt, the, Matt Aiden English does this. Like, this sounds really fucking cool. Like, I could do this too. So it, it's actually, it's an important, it's an important piece in history because what, what has happened in, in bourbon history is like, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. And that's been the story of a really, you know, through the early 2000s. And now we're in a, we're in a cycle where everyone's like, oh, it's going to be going down soon. And it absolutely would be going down if all we were doing was assessing bourbon by just, you know, the glass of like what people are pouring. Right now we have this whole other angle. We have like tourism, we have this culture building around it. I mean, heck, you even pointed toward it like this podcast, bringing culture to you in some ways. And, you know, now we have a lot of ways to connect to people and you have all these niche and fringe uh, audiences that can be, you know, targeted through WWE or whatever. And, you know, and you, you bring an audience to bourbon that it would never get otherwise. And that, I mean, I just, and that's what I, I want to, I want to widen that because I think it's, that's something that's kind of become cool in, I mean, I feel like a lot of different spirits now, but especially in bourbon and whiskey is just like, and that's one of the things I really try to put through like with, with my Instagram with and the YouTube and everything like that is that, I mean, it, this it's something to be appreciated. It's not like that, the whole alcohol angle and everything. It's like, you can feel about it how you want to, but it, it doesn't have, it's, it, you know, it's a very serious substance and everything, but it, it's, it's something to be appreciated. There's a lot more than just a shot and getting wasted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's so much more to, and I love that because I think it, it helps preach an appreciation of responsibility, uh, you know, of, of getting rid of like certain stigmas that, the, yep. you know, spirits and everything have, um, and like I think I think it's also just really cool to have something in this world that gets further and further away from us and more and more digital and technical and everything. And and even even bourbon is getting technical. I mean, there's so much science into the distillation and everything. But I tell this to everyone who will, who will listen who doesn't know it. I'm like, there's something so cool about all this stuff, these fancy distilleries, all this the chemistry, the thing, everything that mash built down to the percentage of what you do at the end of the day you put it in a barrel and you sit mm-hmm. yeah it sits there in a wooden warehouse or whatever for years it's, yeah. and that that's nothing else you can do there's no more science at that point just what's going on and that's there's something so cool that in 2018 that it, there's it, there's still things done that way it's old and new meeting in like this perfect symbiotic relationship that really appeals to me because, like, like I said, I'm a little. There's a little bit of a crotchety old man in me who's like, I don't want this newfangled <laughs> stuff. But, um, but at the same time, I accept it. But so there's this kind of this awesome meeting of old and new that comes with this this community and this world that I think if people really, the more people understand, I think they'll appreciate. I couldn't have picked a, a better way to sort of wrap that up. That was a great yeah. summary of very of, passionate. Yeah, it really was. But I also want to give you an opportunity to plug all your social handles so people that want to know more about about you, Matt, about Aiden or whoever is and wrestling with whiskey, the whole you, like kind of give. Whoever you are today, tell us about <laughs> One it. of my six different personas or whatever I have it. <laughs> no. Um, so, of course, my, my primary handles, I'm on uh, WWE Drama King on Twitter is Aiden English, Drama King WWE on Instagram. Uh, but then you can find me wrestling with whiskey on Instagram, wrestling, uh, wrestle whiskey on Twitter. And uh, the YouTube channel is Wrestling With Whiskey as well. Have you been trying to grow your YouTube presence a little bit more too? Yeah. Because I noticed you've been doing some, some blind reviews and stuff like that too. Shoot blind. I blindfolded myself because I was alone. And that was the only way to do a blind tasting because <laughs> I didn't have anybody to pour it for me. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to grow. We're doing all right. A little over something like 11,000 views. We got a little over a thousand subscribers, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, always just trying to grow that, do different things. So nice. Real cool. So make sure you follow Matt and Aiden or whoever one of the six personalities <laughs> yeah. today, but absolutely. Hey, don't forget to watch uh, SmackDown. Yes. yes. You know, every I'm- Tuesday live on the USA network and you can see him there. On the big screen. Kicking your, that ass, your, getting that yeah, ass kicked. Yeah, mm-hmm. right there in, in the comfort of your own home. So make sure you do that. Also follow Burn Pursuit on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as always follow Fred Minnick on all those social media channels. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to Bourbon Plus, the nation's best bourbon magazine. That's going to be the new tagline, I think, that we're going to put for it, right? <laughs> oh, thanks. Maybe, maybe international best bourbon It magazine. is international. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you have any other show suggestions, people you'd like to see, questions you want answered, Send us an email, team at bourbonpursuit.com. And if you do like what you hear, make sure you support the podcast, patreon.com slash bourbonpursuit. And with that, Fred, Matt, thank you again for joining. Absolutely. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.